Welcome to the OC Bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches. We are in season three, episode 11, The Safe Harbor, aka Free Marissa, because look what I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm wearing the Free Marissa wow. shirt. Mindy has her Free Marissa shirt on. You got one. I got one. I was supposed, I have one, but I don't have it with me because I was in a mad dash to travel with my child and I forgot. The you guys shirt. can just superimpose anyway. it on, on Rachel's chest because she did, we did have this plan. Yeah, right? I'm wearing a black t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that'll work great. We did. This is as good as I can get. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, actually, um, we might, the, our guest today might be responsible for this shirt. I'm not sure. We'll have to ask him. His his name is uh, Thomas Fichter. You, is that how I say it, correct? You. you said it beautifully. Yay! Okay, right. And uh, he is our production designer. He was responsible for the iconic Cohen Backyard and all of our amazing iconic sets. He grew up in South Florida and went to Stetson University where he inadvertently minored, minored in theater. And he liked theater so much that he went on to grad school at the University of Georgia where he earned an MFA in theatrical set design. After living in New York City for a short time, he moved to Seattle to work at the Seattle Repertory Theater as a design assistant. From there, he met his wife, moved to LA in 1986, where he found his way into the television and film industry. So welcome, Thomas. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Yeah. We are so happy. Yeah. So happy to have you here. It's been a long time. Yeah. (laughs) 2006 or seven. Yeah. I didn't do the final season of the OC. I only right. did the first three. So, But you were there yeah. from the beginning, right? Yes. There was a, a designer for the pilot who picked out the locations. And mm-hmm. then he uh, went, he moved on from there. And I, I picked it up and we built all the sets and oh. drew and built them. Kind of last minute in many ways because he could have picked up there, but he, you know, he just left me less time. That's all. And it worked out. Well, okay, before we get started, because I do have questions, because there are so many iconic, you know, we've we've talked about music, we've talked about editing, we've talked about the acting process, we've learned so much, but we have iconic sets and everything. But what is a production designer and what are you responsible for? Okay. Um, A production designer is actually the head of the art department. So it's like, I'm an art director, but because I'm the head of the art department, I get the title production design. And that has to be a request through the union. And the union can say, hey, you've only designed one thing, so you don't get the production design title. You need to have a little more under your belt before we'll give you that. But uh, basically, I'm the head of the art department. I design the scenery, help choose locations, work with the director, read the script, you know, bounce ideas. I think Tony Warmby did this particular episode and he's just one of the greatest directors. I love working with him. Um, so I think that's that's it. I draw, I you know, I do kind of architectural plans, but hand it off to someone who'll do more of the detail and the, probably the harder work. I get to come up with the ideas and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It sounds fun. Yeah, it is. I was... I li- when I was researching or just preparing for this, I saw that you did 151 episodes of 90210. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's I, a lot. <laughs> I left early. I mean, that oh, showed wow. on 10 seasons. I came in on episode eight because they were having all sorts of production design problems. And it was my 
first production design show. So I was kind of green. And I actually quit after the first season because no one thought it would be picked up. And I went on to a movie that got canceled right at the last minute. We were going to begin filming the next day and they canceled the movie. And then the people at 90210 called me and said, we heard your movie got canceled. Do you want to come back? And I did. And uh, there's a kind of an ironic thing with the OC. Um, I also did the seventh season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And when I sent my resume over, the producer said, I'm not going to look at you until you take 90210 off of your resume. Who said that? (laughs) I'll keep his name (laughs) quiet, but that's what he told me. So I actually... Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I took my name, I took... I took 90210 off of the resume, turned it in, got the job. He's actually hired me since and asked me numerous times, but I've been busy. So then when I get to the OC for the interview there, which I actually thought was going to be at Warner Brothers Studios. um, And when I I didn't have my car, it was in the shop. I had to rent a car to go down to Manhattan Beach uh, to to do the interview. Um, It turns out that, that Josh and Stephanie really liked that I had. I know two and oh on my resume. So it was so funny to have these two <laughs> shows be so, you know, opposite of each other and what they wanted. It didn't matter really. I don't know why anybody would have ask you to take your name off, hmm. take your take that credit off of your resume. So hmm. anyway, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so many, there's so many iconic uh sets and and things on the OC. Like the Cohen backyard, for instance, which yes. is you know pretty iconic, I guess, and everyone can recognize it. Was that how was that building that or rebuilding that on stage to emulate the actual one we used in the pilot? Um, the house itself was pretty easy, um, and then we added on to it later on the stage uh, that the house, the real house, didn't have. But the backyard with that infinity pool was a little difficult. And luckily you can kind of make things more diminutive on stage and they still look like the same size. But because we weren't allowed to dig down into the stage, I did Melrose Place and the swimming pool there, we actually dug into the stage and built a pool. But they didn't want us to do that on the OC. It's a pretty big expense and it takes time and we didn't have time. Uh, So we built up and then you... What makes that all more difficult is the camera always has to be um, show the correct horizon line. And the horizon line did shift some on mm. the show, uh, but it most people don't notice it. They were looking at you. I mean, <laughs> it's all about the actors. So. Um, so anyway, that changed. And then we actually shifted from, we have a back, we had a backing of the ocean and the sky. And when we were filming 16 millimeter only, it worked great. We had these little pieces of plastic that you put wind on. It looked like the ocean was out there. And when we went to digital editing, all those plastic strips looked like plastic strips instead of a little twinkly ocean. There's a so, scene There's a scene in this episode mm-hmm. where I saw it pretty distinctly. Were we on digital at this point in season three? Yes. Yes. There's the scene where Marissa kind of says, I'm sorry, I, you, I owe you an explanation to Ryan. And in the background, you can really see it. But, you know, we're all on these HD TVs now. Yes. <laughs> it affected actors. as You know, everybody was worried about their skin, their color. <laughs> you know, it, 
it changed everything. And I think as soon as I saw those scripts, and it may have been after this episode, I went out myself and started pulling them off the back. Oh, did you really? Well, what what would you have done differently today if you had to to build that now? Because it is kind of, it is something that as as I've done research on the show, people do discuss that you can see that when once we went to digital. Oh, they do? Yeah. I mean, we talk about everything. Get in time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) cameras are better, first of all, but it Mm. still is very crisp. Uh, I talked to the the DP about it to see what uh, he or she thought. Um, but pulling them off was the best I could do at that point. I suppose you could probably put some uh, visual effect. Oh, you can CGI lighting. an actual... Um, actually, I saw that. Somebody had done a mock like 3D CGI what the Cohen ba- um, backyard would oh, look really? like with the real ocean. Oh, like, that'd yeah, be nice. That would be... You'd have to put a whole green screen up. Oh. Um, and again, what happens is you worry about the green, uh, the spill from the green screen hitting more than you want it to hit. Uh-huh. But they it's much better at isolating now. So that's one way to do it. You could also probably do a, uh, a couple of lights off to either side of the backing that had what looked like a ripple that you, you project onto the screen. But those, boy, it changed everything when they went <laughs> digital. And it was just the editing, not the film. Uh-huh. It was just the in post. I do know that there's so, so many guests when we have guests on set, they... People were very awed by that set. They would um, they would walk oh, on and go, "Wow, this is so cool!" <laughs> because they had had in their image in their mind, they mm-hmm. it, it was so believable that it looked like the ocean. And then they get and it was very very impressive. It was a large large set. Some sets are just a lot smaller in real life, but this one was so impressive. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a it was a McMansion. Yeah, <laughs> it had to be. It kind of had to be. I mean, I've done the Supreme Court. And I, that we cut down 25% and you cannot tell. But the, the Cohen house was, was full scale all the way. And that's the McMansion thing. You know, we also had problems with the, the grass in the back because it was uh, fake grass and it would shine because the heat from the lights would just heat it all up and it would just shine. So we painted almost every other day um, to take the shine out. So I guess a production, if you had done the pilot, would you have been part of that location scout where you picked the McMansion, which was actually in Malibu? And then, um, and for instance, like, were there other sets that you were part of? Are you part of those location scouts? Like the Wayfarers Chapel, the schools, all those iconic things? Okay. The only places that, uh, the Cohen house I did not pick. That was was the pilot production designer. Um, But I believe Every other set, I chose the location first, and then we would build parts of it, if not all of it, on stage. I mean, like your trailer. We actually didn't... I, I love that trailer. Oh, my gosh. It was a real trailer on <laughs> set that you guys brought yes. onto the set, and the and the camera department just loved shooting in there. Not That's <laughs> rare. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. I mean, we I think maybe we filmed the first... First time at a real trailer park. Yep. And then we took it and put it in the back lot over at the studio. Yep. And created our own back lot. I think we put it on stage a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went everywhere. Talk about a phone booth. <laughs> it, it, yeah, no, it was fun. It was it was very um cozy. We were all very close. <laughs> 
Yes, they tend to be that. <laughs> you couldn't use that nowadays with COVID. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Too close. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to not be... I, I retired right before COVID hit. <laughs> and the show I left is still going on. And they all, I don't know if you've been involved in this kind of thing, but they all get tested every day or every other day. But anyone who gets near an actor has to wear, I think, a red band. Um, and then if they're a little farther away, it's a blue band. They're a little farther mm-hmm. away. They can't get near an actor. <laughs> it's because it, you got to protect your the faces on the screen. So it's it's been interesting to hear about it. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I I worked for the first time, you know, with all the COVID protocols and it's so different. And you have to, every so often, there's like a 15 minute mask break for the crews. You have to wait for that. Oh. And then you get tested every other day or week. We're up here and there's just so many protocols now, but at least, you know, they're keeping it going and they have it figured out pretty well. Probably better than most uh, other industries because it's, it's such a group effort and everybody's close to each other. So you got to make it work. It's crazy when, when a cast member gets COVID and then crew members get COVID and then everything just shuts down because our union won't let you have to test negative or no actors can get close to each other. I mean, there's certain things that shut production down when you're, you're correct. Like when the actors can't work, what are you supposed to do? You know? Yeah. So. And And I wouldn't want to be an AD during that either because they'll go, well, two of our (laughs) actors are okay. Let's schedule just them. And then then it's a half day of filming or no filming. I mean, I guess they can get insurance for a certain amount. Take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everly Well. Their at-home lab tests and vitamins and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable price with over 30 at-home lab tests. You'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. I'm so grateful for Everly Well and their food sensitivity test. My daughter was reacting to something and we could not figure it out. But thankfully, Everlywell was so easy to get, to do, and to get answers. Here's how it works. Everlywell ships products straight to you with everything needed in one package. To take your at-home lab test, simply collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And if you order vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. I did my food sensitivity test with my husband. We both got our results. And good thing is I'm not highly sensitive to anything. There's a few mild things. And I wasn't quite sure what I should do with that, except they do give you instructions on how to do an elimination diet, eliminate a few foods here and there, or eliminate eliminate them all at one time and then start reintroducing and see how you feel. You really have to become your own advocate to feel your best, I think. And for listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash OC. That's everlywell.com slash OC for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash OC. Did you watch the OC when, when it was airing? Uh, yes, you did. every time. Did you? I don't. Okay. I haven't been doing that with every show. But <laughs> I did with the OC. So, what was it like watching this episode? Um, going back for this for this podcast. Uh, I watched it, and I was 
I was kind of like, oh, where did we do that? And because sometimes I couldn't tell my sets from locations, which I was ah. grateful for. But um, mostly it was sets, except for, I think, outside the school, um, you know, the exterior of the school. But, and I didn't remember the storyline too well. Mm. Um, I liked the opening when Rachel was sucking on that straw forever and the, the glass, you know, <laughs> it just keeps going on. I'm sure they had some effort in post to keep that going, but... <laughs> It was hilarious. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're mentioning the opening of the episode where they're in the bait shop drinking mocktails yes. and the bait shop itself was, the outside building was on the Redondo Pier and, and the building is now gone. But the interior of that bait shop is another very iconic uh, set. We kind of went through it on that. We chose the, an octagonal location at Redondo Beach and then they took it away from us. And we'd already started building. Now, how many octagonal buildings do you know of? Well, there was another one on down, the same area. So, so they let us film that, although the interior was, you know, kind of a wreck. This is all for the exterior. And we begun building that interior. Um, and the interior, I think Josh and Stephanie wanted it to be a kind of a CBGB, mm -hmm. you know, New York style interior, but it, with the OC twist to it. Um, so it was very dark and I, you know, the catwalk was a lot of fun to do. And anytime you have a bar in the middle, that means the camera can shoot around and over and, and, and then the stage. And then they always brought in bands that were pretty notable bands. So the OC got that out of it, but it was, um, and then we got a new producer who came in and wanted to change the color to make it brighter. And, and I remember what? Yeah, he said it in a meeting, and it was the first thing they they just went around the room and int we introduced ourselves in the, this production meeting, and and then they got to him and he said his name because he was new to us, and they said, "Do you have anything you would suggest?" And he said, "Yeah, I think that the bait shop was too dark, and it, it you could have heard a pin drop. It just <laughs> got silent in there, and then they went. I, I think I said something like, well." It's been working. And then Josh, and I think Josh said, that's what we like. Interesting, because it's like, well, it, if it's a concert, you don't have house lights up during a concert. The lights are on the band. But if you right. really need to have a scene, like in this particular scene, and the girl, the kids are talking about um, going, they're starting their first semester. It's their last semester of the, their last semester, first day of the last semester of high school. And... Um, I guess, but it's during the day, so you can have that a little bit brighter. But it would be a mistake, I think, to have it too bright during a concert. That to, yes. that to me is very 90210. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're Good. right. Everything in there was bright. <laughs> yes, you've got, and actually that, the lighting on that whole show, because they shot it seven days, was just, you know, overall general high lighting, but it was more. Uh, it wasn't, didn't have a dark side mm -hmm. to it. Uh, in the same way the OC kind of did, because they were all the relationships of the major players went up and down a lot in, in, in a different way. I think more real. There's a lot. There's a lot of moody stuff. I mean, you're right in that. I think, except for the high school, which was right there in Manhattan Beach, all of this, all the sets were on the stage in this particular episode. 
Yes. Even the even the light even the the lifeguard yeah. tower was the sand on the on the which was super. I was looking to make sure that it was like was that outside or is that on the set? Oh, it was on the stage. Yeah, it's on I stage. had to look at that too because we built it three quarter size. The actual lifeguard stand was oh. three quarter size, and we built the beach and the you know it really looked good at night. Mm-hmm. We had real sand, and we built the um, the. It's a restaurant, but the cafe on the the uh, diner, the diner on the yeah, on the, the pier, mm-hmm. on the, so on pier pilings, so you could shoot underneath and see the sand and the beach, or you could be up, and it was a background. That was a real challenge. It was at that point I was feeling my oats, so it's like <laughs> I'm going to just have a backing man and <laughs> go right to the backing, and I've never done that before. So you know, if you kept walking on the the boardwalk, you would have walked right into the backing. And, you know, I had the wow. room and the time and the money to kind of pull that one off. And there fun. were many, many times when we would be walking yeah. on our stage because we have these huge sound stages. I mean, at some we point, did. how many did we have? Four? Three or four? It, I know we had three. At least three. And I think occasionally we'd get a fourth. We'd get a fourth. Three, but there were, there were many times because we, and I'd be walking back and forth to our dressing room and you would be very rapidly walking with a purpose. <laughs> and it's like, hi, Tom. Hi. <laughs> but you would have a very, but you'd always smile. You were always very like, hi. But you were very determined. You were very focused. I was always very impressed. <laughs> oh, that's kind. I, I didn't have an art director on that show. Oh. So... I kind of had to do everything, and I, I did run a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you responsible for this shirt? I had a graphics person. Um, I'm trying to remember whether he did. I feel like he did do that because I think it started as a poster and then became the shirt. Okay. So because we would do that, and then uh, Robin West was the costume designer, and she and I were friends, and we'd make sure we talked things through. Uh, it was great to have her, her group right next to my group in the building across the street, all, all of our creative departments were right there. And uh, occasionally I'd go up to ed- editing though. I used to have an office near editing right at the beginning. And it was always fun to see what they were doing. I love when we do this and we get to talk to so many people behind the scenes. And, you know, you're obviously such a huge part of the show and how it's made and, and things that people don't always know. Like if someone asked me what, you did, of course, I would, I would have an idea, of course, of yes. what you do, but just the details and all of the work and thought and everything that goes behind it is incredible. And it's so impressive in all of these beautiful, huge sets and things that are created. I mean, it's such a group effort and I just love paying credit to where it's due because honestly, it, it was so impressive everything you did for the show. That's, that's nice. Thanks. I, you know, I, and I'll take a little credit, but I, it's such a team of people. You know, there's 20 people running around trying to collect furnitures and drapery and carpet and building and painting. And, you know, and then, yeah. then I'll come in and go, let's put more barnacles on the <laughs> pier posts. And they're looking at me like rolling their eyes, you know. <laughs> but they all would come through because yeah. they're just, they like the detail and they like to, to make things look right. It's, it's a fun job. It's a busy, hard job. And the Manhattan Beach made it more difficult because it was so far away. It's a, that, yeah, it's, it's a hard place to get to. And traffic. Like if you have to go, go out yeah. to get your materials, getting back, yes. it's like, what time do we... Oh, no, Men the traffic. Right now, so. Oh, yeah. 
And for set dressers. Yeah. Why don't you do the synopsis and then we'll yeah. talk about some of the, if we, if we talk about this yeah, episode, say, yeah, we can talk about some of the sets as we go along too. For sure. Um, so the, the episode today, Ryan, Seth, and Summer plot to get Marissa back into Harbor School so they can be all together for the rest of the senior year. Johnny asks Marissa to attend a social function to celebrate his successful knee surgery. Also, Julie continues to have a meeting of minds with Dr. Neil Roberts. Directed by Tony Warmby, written by Mike Kelly. Original air date, January 12th, 2006. At this point, we have little, just maybe over a year more of work on the show before it ends. Because I think we finished in February of 2007 or January. Oh, wow. Was the fourth season shortened a little bit? We or? only did 16 episodes, I think. And they were, I think, filmed in seven days or something. Is that right? Or did you get eight? I don't remember for, for seven days. I rem- I think we had eight. I think we had eight. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'd heard they might shorten it to seven, but... <laughs> Um, it's like, like we went from 27 episodes the first season oh. to like seven. No, I mean, we only yeah. did 16 the last, but but we still did more than, I think it would be more than 22 or something um, mm. each year or something like that. So Oh, I see the average out. Yeah, yeah. They, it averaged out pretty well because, the, yeah, for syndication and such. So listen, so yes, so they started the bait shop. Let's talk about these storylines, the, the main storylines. Clearly, everyone's coming together to get Marissa back into Harbor High. And, you know, we start, as I mentioned, that they're having these mocktails. And I think, Rachel, they really wrote for you in this episode. Summer is on a mission. <laughs> I need Marissa back in this school. <laughs> and what else do we are we doing? It was almost like, okay, and how do we do this? Um, there was um, some, and then it starts with um, a theme of war theme. I love it when the writers really pick a theme and they go for it. Because they, you know, they did Saving Private Ryan at one point and they start with this war theme and it goes throughout. Yeah, yeah. Summer's on a mission. It's clear. And when Summer gets on a mission, we all know the mission's going to happen. Whether it's successful or not remains to be seen, but (laughs) she's going to (laughs) try. So they start this grassroots campaign the next day at school, and Ryan instantly is going to talk to Dr. Kim, who who very begrudgingly says, yes, I can get the case on the docket, and there might be a precedent, which is a very key thing. I love Dr. Kim. And, oh, so this was... Mm -hmm. Mount St. Mary's Interior. Mount St. Mary's was the nursing school at the top of, I guess, Brentwood, as we call it up there, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous out exterior. But this was the yes. interior um, high school. And it looked very similar to what it looked like, did it not? If, I'm, or we, the, the library was the only interior of Mount St. Mary's, I think, that we used. That is correct. You're right. I'd forgotten. But we did. we built the set to have that Spanish-style... Uh, and I, I believe we converted a set we already had to become that room. I think we took the student, that little student union and rearranged it to become the that assembly hall, if you want to call it that assembly room. Oh, oh did that. you? Oh, for the for the yeah. actual meeting? Because you know, a yes. lot of people comment on the fact that, you know, this this student union, because there's a, a coffee and pool and all kinds of fun things in the private school, which it's I guess it's to show how affluent this school is and what these kids have. Because so so many people are like, We never had something like that. But I guess that's, you know, the lounge <laughs> area of the of the high school was very unique to, I guess. Maybe it's something. Was do you remember whose idea that was, or was it something that was that was always there? 
uh, it, it wasn't in the, any real place. It, I would go and have discussions with Josh and Bob and Stephanie, and they always wanted to up the ante uh, to show how rich these people were and how unique their situation was. So it contrasted with, you know, with Ryan and his upbringing. I think that was part of what it was all about, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, it also helps to give actors something to do and, you know, or, or background, something to do to always have games and coffee and whatever there to select. But it, it, it told the story of wealth. Yeah, I'm always amazed by how much coffee they drink in high school and go up to the barista <laughs> and order fancy coffee drinks. <laughs> well, you know what? It wouldn't be that. I mean, when you think about it, in a public school, they have the Coke machines or the Pepsi machines or, you know, those are just as detrimental to your health, I guess, as a young person. Although caffeine stunting growth is a myth anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Is yeah. it? I don't think it stunts growth. I don't know no. for sure. I always counted on that to explain my height. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then because we cut over to Newport <laughs> Union, which is the juxtaposition, uh, you know, the completely opposite of what that um, uh, school is. And of course, Marissa and Johnny get back together and he's all excited because he's back at the PacWest Surf, um, on the PacWest, PacWest Surf team. And uh, he wants to invite Marissa to go, of course. <laughs> Because what do you do when you like somebody that you can't touch? You have them all around you, right? <laughs> so, yes. Sorry, we're a little frustrated with Johnny. Do you remember this? <laughs> you can this? only bring one person. Yeah. Do you remember this storyline, Tom, at all? That Johnny, I mean, every boy falls in love with Marissa, but he's kind of this little, we call him Tiny Tim on the show, uh, <laughs> who's in love with Marissa. <laughs> And she's just, she can't, she's, we find out she's just wired this way. She can't help it. But um, she, he wants her to go to this party. So we were like, oh, the audience is like, this story will never end. Summer and Seth are on a mission to enlist General Townsend. Okay, so I'm just so in love with Marissa, or sorry, Summer and Seth in this episode, Rachel. You guys have such fun stuff to do. And I love Seth in this episode. Like, you know, there's some episodes where Seth is just so self-involved and, 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 you know, narcissistic and and all about himself. But in this episode, he's so cute. Yeah, he's really, he, sh he has some really sweet moments in this episode. A lot of great improv on Brody's mm. part. Um, but yes, with all the Taylor stuff and them coming together, I really love the dynamic. I also loved Taylor's Dior saddlebag, which was very popular at the time. <laughs> that was showcased in one of the scenes. Um, but yeah, you know, Seth is really on board. And I really felt like you're saying it really showed a lot of the Seth and Summer dynamic that I think people always liked because we were just silly. Like, Mainly Brody. And Autumn Reeser... And Taylor, I just, I love her character more and more every, when she's like, I, I love campaigns. I'm, I'm your man. And then every, it's, but the only thing is they want to help Marissa get back in. And these two girls playing Madison and Ashley, I just needed to give them a sh shout out. Dana Davis yeah. and Tiffany Thornton. They did really, a really good job with just a few little lines of saying, um, Taylor, she's your competition. And your mom is the one who started the petition. <laughs> like it was one of these things where I was like, wait, when Marissa really get back in, well, there was no criminal charges. She wasn't arrested. It was simply that Veronica Townsend started this petition to get Marissa kicked out. So why couldn't they get back in? So it, it's actually a very plausible story. Yeah. You know what I love? Go for it. 
in that scene you're talking about is when Taylor's like, did you get my invitation to Boxing Day? Oh, well, anyway, like her her transition, like in that moment, and just really like you're saying, Autumn is just so awesome. And <laughs> her playing this character just keeps showcasing that. But there was like that one thing. And I was like, that was so good how she played that. Yeah. No, I mean, and I mean, since we're talking about the Seth and Summer, when they, the next day, the, um, when she's she's on it the next day and she's got her Marissa graduates, which is a throwback to 90210 and Donna Martin graduates. This whole thing is kind of an ode oh, yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Were you on that episode? I believe I was because yeah. I was there for all their high school and then I designed the college and then I think I left right after okay. college. So, yeah. so yeah, there are some similarities. They, they do some things that are uh, they're the modern-day version of the 90210 thing, but it's right. still the same story. But, Rachel, they did such... I mean, this is what's so unique, I think, about this about the OC. The fact that when Veronica comes up, yanks our Taylor away, and Summer is reading lips, and the way you guys shot that, it was just so <laughs> yeah. unique, and it worked, and it was so effective. It worked so well. Yeah. I was going to say my favorite part of that is when she's like, yeah, I can read lips. Star Magazine, what the stars are really saying. Like, <laughs> they pull that. It's really funny. This whole, this is where Taylor has that Dior saddlebag mm-hmm. and where I bring up Star Magazine and it's like, okay, we're encapsulating 2005 or six. I guess it's six because we're graduating in this or take the picture anyway in this episode. I mean, there was something just so, that just so magical uh, that just worked so well. And let me, this is a funny thing. So kind of, I, I'm digressing a little bit, but there's a reason for it. So I've been watching this amazing show that, that um, my husband and I just finished, The Offer on Paramount Plus. It's about the making of mm. Godfather. You guys have to watch it. It's so oh, wow. good. So we watched oh, it yeah. and great casting. Oh my gosh. It's just my favorite show in the past like couple of years. So then we decided to watch Godfather 1 through 3. And we just finished on Sunday night. And I was re-watching this episode. And I learned that in The Godfather, a button guy or a button man is the hired killer or low in the, you know, in the ranks of the mafia. So when he's saying, she goes, okay, so then my button guy. And then Seth is saying, I want to meet the button guy. And I was like, I went back and I watched. I'm like, well, what they're referencing caps or captains and generals and are they referencing the mafia now? And I'm like, oh no, it's just really a button guy who's going to make buttons that say free Marissa. I had this like <laughs> moment where I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> like why would Seth be obsessed with a button guy? Because I think that was an improv. I just want to meet the button guy, right? It was. <laughs> Yeah, it was an improv of Brody. That's so funny. I was in Godfather's thing. I was like, wow, they're really referencing the Godfather here. But it's just a button guy. I'm such an idiot. I, when you just brought up the Godfather, I was like, I couldn't imagine where you were going with the comparison between the OC and Godfather. But now it makes sense. Yeah, he's you think a, Adam knew? And I don't know, but it was like, it's a button. It's in Webster's Dictionary. A button guy is the killer, a hired killer or oh, low in the ranks wow. of the mafia. So I, I was like, there must be a correlation. But no, that's just where my brain's been in Godfather land. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. Like we were talking about the Johnny and Marissa thing, right? It's very frustrating. And they're on this whole campaign. One thing I just want to point out, there's the scene where... Marissa comes into Summer's room Mm -hmm. and 
she's like, hey, did you talk to Ryan? Because Summer wants to find out if Marissa knows what we're doing. And the way I delivered it, I'm like, hey, did you talk to Ryan? Like, so casually that I'm convinced this is a moment that Tate always likes to talk about where I didn't read the entire scripts before shooting. (laughs) The way I delivered it, I think like Summer would have been more excited. Like, hey, did you talk to Ryan? Like all excited about this whole plan she has and everything. And I was like, this is one of those moments. (laughs) I know. Where I think it's clear I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) <laughs> that thing of like that classic like so what just happened before is yeah that continuity <laughs> act, acting continuity right no you're smoking pot not uh. not reading scripts <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be so hard to be an oh actor my goodness. <laughs> it's actually it really not, does. we don't have that much we're responsible for except we just oh. you know it's pretty specific in my <laughs> mind yeah right <laughs> you, I've seen. <laughs> Bad scripts made good by good acting. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big deal. I mean, it, it really is. What both of you do is not easy to, to pull off and keep your character. And keep, you know, I, it's always impressive unless you're bad at it and you two aren't. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, I, I mean, I, there, <laughs> I could pick a few things that wouldn't be necessarily called good, but that was a while ago. <laughs> when I was younger, but <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Oh, well, no, the other okay. thing I kept thinking was, you know, they go for this plan because, well, in the meantime, <clears throat> Ryan has gone to Sandy and explained the whole thing, yeah. and Sandy's like, okay, so precedent, you do have precedent, you do have a shot, but and and Ryan says it's not. Please don't be concerned about Marissa and I, and so he's like, okay, let's go for it. And then, and then he explains it to Marissa and she instantly is, and then she sees Summer. But my thing about this is like, I guess it happened off screen, but nobody asked Julie. Like, who's paying for this? So luckily we find out that Julie had some savings that she's, that she's just going to pay for school because I don't know about you. I don't think these are Notre Dame high school prices. I think these are Oakwood prices, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about private schools. schools I mean, sure. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's either you know, it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. cheap a school like that. I think in today's world, it would be. I don't know what it would be, but I guess it'd be like forty grand a year or something. So a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like Julie's in a yeah. trailer. Nobody asked. Her. But let's talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Julie. Let's talk about you and my dad for a minute. <laughs> this whole thing brewing. I have to say. You guys do have like, chemi- like you're believing the chemistry and the kindness between you two. And I'm into it, watching it. Because I didn't remember it, of course. But I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I, I totally agree with you. There was something really, I don't, you know, as, as the seasons went on, I remember less. But as I'm watching, Michael Nuri is such a proficient, professional, very graceful actor. And his presence was... Mm-hmm. And, and, it was so welcoming in that we know he's always been there off screen for summer, but then all of a sudden he's he's there to support and he's a voice of reason and respect. And Julie's also now in this place of a little bit more humbleness and reality and grateful and attitude of gratitude. And she doesn't even, she's not even aware of it. She's just kind of go, plugging along. But she's like, I want to say that Veronica... Taylor's mom is what Julie used to be. 
When you think about it, when you see them next yes. to each other, it was like that was the way Julie was in the first season. And now you see Julie actually being a little bit more reserved, um, self-aware and mindful and not even, I don't know if she's even consciously doing it, but it's, yeah, I see her being a little bit more graceful and classy, not engaging with with the likes of Veronica because she doesn't have to, right? And you're also being really honest with Dr. Roberts. Like you're fully being open. And I think that's also nice for Julie and to see. Yeah, it was, um, it was really cute when, um, you know, she, I mean, she genuinely is grateful that Marissa, Marissa has been living with his, um, at his home. And, uh, you know, she comes to see him at the house and, and then they have that kind of cute little, obviously that, that kind of awkward time where they're like, okay, I'm waiting for the girls. Let's have a drink. So they become a drinking, bu- drinking buddies. But then when he comes to see her at the trailer park, what an adorable scene because he looks massive in that set. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the real, as you said, that was the real trailer, correct? Yes. Yes. We just made it so you could take it apart and film a little better in it, but. Yes. Where did you find a trailer? Like, do you go to, did you buy a used one? Did you buy a new one and, and old it up? I, I believe that one we rented. Oh. Um, there's a place, what's it called? The Something Boys, like Oklahoma Boys. I can't remember their, anyway, they have all kinds of trailers. Some of them come apart, some don't. Some of them they'll let you cut out parts so that wild wall them. But that one I believe we rented because I don't, I think we knew your storyline there was only, I don't know, was it six episodes or something like that? I don't even remember exactly, but it was shorter uh, than I've had to make trailers before that just from scratch. Because we could take the whole side out of both sides so you could do reverse. But, you know, like Misha's tall and she would bonk her head on things. And, you know, and... and And it was always a very cute, like, I just remember the, our operators and, and just kind of going, oh my gosh, we're in this trailer again. But it was always a fun little intimate thing because you couldn't have too many people around. It was like, everyone back away. We're in the trailer. So for of course we had, she was dipping tobacco and now she's, you know, he <laughs> comes in and she's um, pork, pork, rinds. pork rinds. Yeah. But he's so cute because he's like... And I love how Dr. Roberts... Yeah. He's so accepting, right? And he's like, I'll, and he takes the pork rinds yeah. to go eat them outside while he waits for you. Yeah, I don't want any pigeon pie, Gus. I think it's terrible what you do to those little birds. He's like, oh, I'm going to go discuss stocks <laughs> or something with Gus. Or there's, We should have that actor on. <laughs> Gus. Yeah. Anyway, Gus. it was pigeon there was pie. something very, very sweet about right. it. and And it's actually, you know... Julie is so put together out in the OC world. And you just, I love that you see her a little bit more disheveled in the uh, in the trailer each episode. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, in the meantime. So. Yeah. We get to the, what well, was going to get to the hearing, I thought. Well. Is there anything else well, you want to cover say, before we get to the hearing? Yeah, because at the Newport group, group Matt, who is you know, gotten over his stripper situation, I guess. But he he talks about a private <laughs> investigator friend that was helping them on something else. And mm-hmm. Sandy indicates something that would help him, you know, because he's also said that he's found out that this Judge Mercer is the head of the board and that um, Kirsten was concerned about it. And, ooh, he put you in, in jail for contempt. And, you know, clearly this is going to be an uphill battle with this guy. And 
he's going to go check him out. But I thought lawyers, I thought lawyers, maybe I've been watching a lot of lawyer. I've been watching suits, but they always have PIs, I thought, you know, so Sandy's <laughs> like has this, he, he's concerned about using a PI. So that's going to be helpful in this hearing, I guess. Oh, in the meantime, you know, he yeah. tells, Marissa does tell Johnny that she can't go and he's happy for her. He's smart enough to say, oh, I'm very, very happy for you that you're going to get to go back to your school. But then the audience sees that he's, uh, crushed that she can't be there. And then in the meantime, when they're going to go for this thing, we find out that Johnny actually got kicked off. And I wanted to ask you about this. So Marissa has to rush over because Chili Hat says you have to come over. And his house is, or his bedroom is just a mess. And I thought, oh, little t- tiny Tim did all mm-hmm. that. Or did Tom do that? <laughs> oh, we were involved. <laughs> That's something that you guys do. You have to just trash the thing and make it realistic, right? Yes. And occasionally, you know, an actor will come in and want to personalize that, of course, because they'll see something they believe they would have done. Right. But, oh, yeah, that's, in fact, the set dressers often like to trash sets. It's like... (laughs) Tired of all the neat yeah, stuff. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. What are those rooms where, what are those rage rooms that you can go? I didn't know about rage. I was what? thinking about people who get locked. What are those ones where you escape rooms? Escape, well, right? there's escape rooms, but then there's rooms where you can go yeah, just bash stuff, right? No, I didn't know that. You use one of those occasionally. I don't know. Yeah. I watch too much reality TV. Exactly. <laughs> but that would take us to the meeting, so. That's a story that <laughs> Yes. Yes. The meeting where, you know, Summer and Seth have kind of failed without Taylor's help. So they're going into this without the signatures and the student body behind them. Um, Marissa finally shows up. I mean, there was, you know, Marissa's doing her thing again, which we touched on with the Johnny and always wanting to help and feels like it's her fault. And I like that Mm. Ryan is straight with her and is like, this has nothing to do with you, you know? And she tries to take responsibility for it. But yeah, and I was happy he finally said that. And then he sets Johnny straight too and is like, dude, you are basically standing in the way of this. And Johnny then, you know, lies. So Marissa goes. And I'm so happy he did because then she winds up showing up. And you, you so make does a, Taylor in the end. Yeah. Well, you make a really good point because I think we were, I was, we're so frustrated by this storyline and that Marissa would give up going to Harbor because of her feelings for Johnny, like she's afraid to leave him alone. But then when she actually explains to Ryan, yeah. she, he, she says, you don't understand. He says, that's not your fault. And she's like, you don't understand. It is. Everything we were, everything is my fault. His girlfriend, him getting hurt. So we understand, whether it's right or not, we actually understand the character a little bit more and give her a little bit more leeway because I think it's been a little bit frustrating. But, um, but yes, so they lie for her. And so she finally shows up. But I just wanted, this was a, um, something that I noticed, Tom, as they're sitting there in the backyard and it's, it's um, the sun's going down. And then finally they think that Marissa's not showing up and it's nighttime and the fireplace is lit. And I thought there's certain things that we do on the set that you guys do on set that are really traditional. Like you might, if there's a fireplace, you light a fireplace just to give it some ambiance. Or if it's a nighttime shoot, they wet down streets. Now, these aren't necessarily things that always happen in real life, but it's something that's a tradition in film yes. and television, is better. it not? <laughs> yeah. Yes. More lights. If More you, lights. 
offer more lights. So the keeps the DP happy. It just adds depth and and it makes the whole thing look better. Right. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's painting a picture. And you know, it's like in one, you know, there was no fireplace or there was it was dry or something, but all of a sudden it's just when you have a wet street, it reflects the light and it's it's movie yes. magic. It doesn't necessarily have a reason except that it looks prettier, right? <laughs> it, that's really what it's about, looking okay. pretty. And actually the backing that we used with the ocean, I, I remember telling Jamie a few times, you know, you can back like this, and he didn't quite get what I meant because he'd never seen that. It's because it's a theater thing. You can back like that backing, and it'll be sunset. Oh, we did that a few times, right? We did. Yeah. Ultimately, when I when I actually took, we went over together with a light, and I said, watch, you know, turn on the light here. And when he saw it, he's like, oh. And then he actually set up lights in the back so that <laughs> you could have, have a sunset. And, it changed the look of that backyard yet again. That's amazing. Yeah, there's some beauty there. I if you yeah. if you do pay attention because I knew we were speaking with you that I start paying attention to all the background of the episode I'm and sure. there. Well, and you know, I, like I would do with editing or something, <laughs> but you do notice how detailed. You know, the sun's coming up a certain. It's a different kind of sun when it's in the morning. Different kind of sun when it's when it's dusk, and all of those details. It's it's part of putting the giving the audience this kind of seamless journey that it just feels you feel what time of day it is as opposed to having yeah. having to be told mm. you know that well, and yeah. I give the credit to the DP for that as well the DP and the gaffer they they put a lot into what the day is like in terms of lighting and I mean when we go out scouting. Um, now we all have apps. I think it's called Sunseeker. And the first thing you do is, where's the sun at this time of day? Mm -hmm. And where's it going to be later on so that we all know which way to orient a set that we might be putting out there or where you're putting the actors? It's it's all about light. I've given up thinking it's about sets. It's all about light. Right. Or you're doing <laughs> this. You're just adjusting. <laughs> just like the sun yes. is. Your scene might just literally do this depending on where the sun is if you're outside, right? Absolutely. And it changes colors. A building will look yellow in the morning and it'll look orange or, you know, kind of mm. orange at night or Mediterranean yellow. It just, it changes all day long. And the first movie I did out on a uh, on the ocean, I picked all these colors and midday they look great. And by the evening, I'm going, that's not the color I picked. <laughs> and then I'll realize, oh yeah, the color changes all day long. Yeah. You know what it's, I thought yeah. was a beautiful moment, right. Rachel, you were talking about... Um, Taylor, you know, she comes in to help, but then, or no, she comes in kind of like so, so scared of her mom. And then, and she runs off to the bathroom and you guys, Seth and Summer call. And she's like, don't be mad. I'm sorry. And Seth goes, no, it's okay. It's your mom. We understand. And she goes, that, that is so nice. Like there was just this really beautiful moment where she was like, I, people aren't nice to me. You know, this whole time it's like, but there, there's right. a few things that were conflicting because Summer is popular and has friends and a, and Taylor isn't popular, has no friends, but she has influence <laughs> to get to get signatures. So I thought that was like a little confusing, but but I thought it was a really sweet, um, sweet moment that she and then ultimately comes in and gives you guys the yeah. the, the petition. Yeah, she comes through. But it is, you know, in that moment, and we talk about this a lot, that the kids are way more mature 
than I think high schoolers are. Like for Seth to just be like, yeah, no, like we get it. It's your mom. And just to be that understanding, mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by their maturity in many situations. But Taylor, she's a force. So obviously she gets a student body, even though, you know, she's considered not popular by popular means in high school, but she still comes through. And I actually think it's funny that it was sweet at the end, you know, they win the, they win the trial hearing, whatever we're calling it. (laughs) And how Seth and Summer are like, we'll give you a ride because her car is probably taken away. She went against her mother. And then Summer's <laughs> like, sister, you're sleeping over. And like, they really start to accept Taylor, which I thought was a nice moment. Wait, but you know what? We can't, we cannot skip that, that Summer says, we, nobody cares. We're too apathetic at this school. We need Taylor. Okay. You need to be, um, uh, what was the movie with Demi Moore and Robert Redford? An Indecent Proposal. You, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. You're that's right. You're Demi, of course, and Taylor is the leather-faced guy who talks to horses. <laughs> you want me to trade sex for signatures? Let's get her on board. I need Marissa back at the school. I feel so dirty. Oh my god! I know. And then he's pouring said, out my boyfriend and the reference is really funny. Sex for signatures, and and he's like, I've been instructed to offer sex, and she's like, hot wax, tube socks, and Fiona Apple, and all I was, I was like, what would that involve? All I can think of tube oh socks my is God, I know, is no. the Chili Peppers <laughs> cover of their album where they're naked wearing tube socks. So I was like, I don't know, I don't. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> oh, Taylor and her twisted mind. I know. And it only gets crazier in season four. Wait till you see. I can't wait. But we do, you know, we do meet Judge Mercer. And I mean, I've got to tell you, this is this whole scene was super, super satisfying to to my soul and spirit for some reason. Just the way it worked out, <laughs> even even though the kids aren't supposed to talk to the judge and we know that there's going to be this ter- very, very difficult battle. But the way Ryan and Dr. Kim speak up and that Mercer is at least a reasonable, reasonable man and Veronica's over there saying, shut up. And it just evolves and we're saying, where's Sandy? We need Sandy to come to the rescue. And he gives this amazing speech and then it happens so nicely and she gets back in. It just for something was like, ah, free. Marissa's free. And I just felt so satisfied as a viewer. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those classic scenes, like in yeah, like in any movie, you're rooting for it. And Mercer, he what he played it really well, like a real dick. Like he played it, you know, like you were like, Oh, this guy's gonna be trouble. For some I for some reason I loved um Julie's outfit too. I don't know. She was wearing something that I thought was really pretty. Yeah. And and then at the end, when she tells Marissa that she lives in a trailer park, Marissa doesn't even, she does, she's like, oh, I thought something was up. It's okay, mom, I'll come home. She calls it home. And it was really sweet. And the same thing with yeah. um, Summer and her dad. She's like, dad, you didn't, I'm sorry, but we're okay. You know? Yeah, well, she, she always, yeah, she always hated the stepmom anyway. So it was like, okay. She was like, whatever. Kids are pretty <laughs> resilient when they see things, you know? You, I mean, they can be, a, yeah, they're, they're survivors. They really are. Very, very much so. But, uh, but then, but then Sandy says, Hey judge, I want to say thank you. And, and here's your son. And that was satisfying too. He helped his, he helped the judge, you know, he's 
made out to be such a bad guy, but he's a reasonable man. And he said, you made your case and I know what you're doing, but it wasn't so much about my son. You actually did make your case. Michael Mantell. Michael Mantell played the judge. Yeah, I've seen him. You know, we we got some really great actors as guest stars to come in. We did. But but yes, then we talk about Ryan does go to see um, Johnny on that set. And that even in, in um, at the lifeguard tower. And Tom, that's when I noticed uh, my husband and I were, he was watching it and I said, that's on stage. And he went, what? That's on stage? Because <laughs> you can see like lights in the background and it <laughs> looks like it's almost, I kept thinking it looked like Santa Monica, you know, like the pier in the background or something. But it just looked so realistic. And I was like, I think that's the set. I'm pretty that's sure nice. it was, right? It's always nice <laughs> to confuse people <laughs> with, with reality and the set. That's the, the hope. But we made sure we had lights, right. little lights down at the end. And there's uh, kind of a cutout profile of what would be sand dunes or cliffs. Right. So that, that kind of hid where some of the lighting was coming from. But that was that was really a fun set to do. The last thing I want to say was at the end of the episode, when they take the class photo, I remember this, or I don't know if I remember, because I've always seen the picture of it, but all of us getting together and taking this picture. And of course, Mindy, I teared up. Did you? Per it usual. was really sweet. Aww. I don't know. Like I said, yeah. some episodes you feel, you, you feel kind of, ugh, you know, like catastrophic, like, like Chili was in this episode. It's catastrophic, but... But this episode was warm and fuzzy. It was. I loved it. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. And I'm so happy that Marissa's back at Harbor. I know. <laughs> yes. and that song, California by Rogue Wave, plays at the end. And it's got some interesting lyrics. Like, just my little take on it. Because I watch the show with subtitles now. So I can hear and see everything. And I can't oh, tell you how many, how many times I watched Button Man to see, like, what she was saying. <laughs> Because she kept saying, oh, That's and I so can do the funny. Batman at the same time. And I was like, what is she talking about? Anyway, who's she going to have killed? <laughs> I'm going to rewatch that part. <laughs> She's just talking about meeting up with the button guy to get the, the yeah. buttons at the same time as the shirts. But right. I, my brain was like, I, I was like, what's Josh <laughs> and Mike Kelly putting in here? Anyway, and too much to Godfather. Godfather. That's really again, funny. <laughs> I know. My weekend's made. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, let's... um. Let's do a little rapid fire for Thomas. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, you go for Rachel. All right. Diner or bait shop? Bait shop. Cohen House or Cooper Nickel House? Cohen House. Because they were the same thing. Remember? Well, they were, weren't they? Just the front door. They we just Yeah, we would adjust for yeah. the background. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Mindy, maybe you should read the rapid fire because of my delay. I don't think it'll be very rapid. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Delay fire. Trailer park or Newport group? Trailer park. We did that one in Long Beach, the actual park. Yeah, I love that. that and favorite set built or favorite set build? Uh, you know, boy, that's a tough one. I actually really like that. I guess it was the, it was the restaurant to the yacht club. Oh, yeah. For that, that just started in season, at the end of season Two it into the season yeah, three. Two. Yeah. Okay. Right. I don't know why I now. like that, but it, it was hard to shoehorn that in. And I just, I just liked it. Nice. Okay. Then your favorite set location. <laughs> Which golf course? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> actually, I like the, the high school location a lot. Did you? The one up 
um, Mount St. Mary or whatever. It's hard to get to, but it really mm. looked good on film. And, oh boy, did it. <laughs> yes. Did you, yeah. who picked Wayfarer's Chapel? That was a group effort. Mm-hmm. The location manager had found it. And then when we saw the photos, it's like, this is, this will be good. Private school or public school? Private school. <laughs> diner so or fun. fine dining? Oh, the diner. <laughs> Fojito or mojito? <laughs> oh, mojito. Yeah. Like, why empty cat waste those calories? Empty calories. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to listen to some fan voicemails. Hey, ladies, I have a fashion question. In the episode, The Krishnaka Bar Mitzvah Cut, there is a scene with the core four by the pool where Summer is wearing a t shirt that says Donna Martin graduates. In the next (laughs) episode, we see them try to free Marissa. Was that done on purpose as a little nod to 90210? Tom, you might know, obviously, this I, was pre- prepared in advance. So was that something that Robin had planned probably for Rachel? I think it's that was a nod from Josh and Stefan that Robin uh, took that to, and put it on screen. Because I do, they really liked 90210 when they grew up, Josh and Steph did. And so I'm sure that's what that was. Well, yeah, because it was the, she's referring the episode just before this. So yes, we, because you prepare episodes how many in advance? Well, while you're filming one, we're prepping the next one. We don't. I wish it was we had that much advance, but we don't. Sometimes you're oh. getting two scripts ahead, but you're not until the new director starts. You can only read the script mm-hmm. and talk to the writers, mm-hmm. and you'll get so far. But the director has so much input that. Um, and as well as locations. So we don't have tons of time to get there. But I'm sure that they they wanted to match that up, Donna Martin. Yeah, I bet they knew that this was happening and, and put that shirt on, on Summer, on Rachel. Absolutely. Okay, next voicemail. Hi, Melinda and Rachel. Um, I have a question. Um, I was always really curious why the show never did a storyline about Summer's mom coming back into the picture. Um, so would just love to hear your thoughts on uh, why that never came to be. Thanks. Love the podcast, guys. Did you ever have a conversation, Rachel, with Josh? Uh, well, as you know, I wouldn't remember. But I feel like, <laughs> haven't we asked Josh this? Haven't we asked Josh and it was kind of just like, oh, we just never, just never got around to that or something. We just focused on the stepmom. I don't, I don't know if I recall. Do you? Sh- no, I mean, I don't have a definitive answer for that. I would think that if you imagine a writer's room, I'm sure that they've discussed every storyline you could think of. They've probably discussed because that is their talent. Uh, but but when you have a character that's never seen, you know, stepmom's never seen, and then all of a sudden we bring in, how do we have Mr. Roberts in the in more present? Well, we have to get rid of the stepmom. And uh, there's only so many stories that they can tell. I, I'm sure if the show went on, that would be something that they could could have brought, brought back. But yeah, it would have been interesting to explore it. Yeah, you think? I agree. I agree. <laughs> Thanks for your question. Thank you. Hi, Melinda and Rachel. I'm Emmy from Ontario, Canada. I just wanted to let you know that I love the podcast and just finished watching the show for the first time with my family. It was actually my father's request to watch the show because my parents originally watched it back when it first aired. At the time, I was only six. 
I'm so glad he picked to rewatch it as uh-huh. I fell in love with the showing characters. I also love seeing all the different cast and crew names that I recognize from other shows and movies that I've watched and loved over the years. My questions for you ladies is what roles on the crew side would you like to do or try? And besides the characters that you played, which other characters do you relate to the most now? Have a great day. Thanks. Oh, that was a good question. Yeah. Also, I'm currently in Ontario, Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Oh my goodness. There's so many things. You know, I ha- always have a dream of being behind the camera. And my biggest reason sounds very superficial and ridiculous, but it's just to be warm all the time, like <laughs> shooting exterior nights and everyone's in their parkas behind the camera, just sitting warm while we're freezing our butts off in front of the camera. That's my main reason, but... In a bikini <laughs> at night, right? Yeah, right? In a bikini <laughs> on the beach and everyone's in their North Face, like, you know, flo- to the floor jackets and you're like, I want to be behind <laughs> <Yeah>. the camera. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think directing super fascinating. I think camera operating is super fascinating. There's, I would try, I would love to try every single job from a PA to a director, to a writer. I just think it's it's all so fascinating and I would love to experience everything at least for a day. Mindy? <laughs> well, Tom, did, did you have any, um, any roles that are different um, jobs that you would have liked or interested you besides production design? The only other job probably would be editing. Because I've Uh, edited before and mm. you get to put the whole thing together. You can tell Mm. four stories from the same footage and uh, just you get to pick it out. And, you know, directors do that too, but directors have to deal with so many other things. Editing is just a film and you and maybe the director and, you know, that's Mm. pretty great. Yeah, you can tell a story with music and, and put your, it's really an art. It's a manipulative art. <laughs> it is. I always it is. I yes. used uh, during the OC. Actually, I really got into like chatting with like Lisa Cochran and Lucas George, and like you know they're the the line producers in UPM. I thought yes. the whole thing of you know managing and dealing with everyone and just how it comes together. I found it fascinating. Like you know on this particular episode, and it, and I'll tell you why it was came from a selfish place because. <laughs> Because there were episodes like when I had a 10 of 13 contract, which means that I wasn't in every episode or it meant right. that they they didn't have me in three episodes of or out of out of 13. I wasn't in a couple episodes and because and it's a financial thing that they do. So if you have all shows produced, you might not be in the you still have to get paid for all of them. So if I'm not in that episode they have a little extra money or if an actor's not in that episode, they have extra money to do things and how they put money for this episode has a bigger budget because we've got all of these extras or we need this crane or we need extra things going on. Well, we should do that when we have extra money. But there's an interesting way of just putting this whole thing together that I found fascinating. I actually pictured myself becoming like a line producer at some point, but then it now, now it feels kind of huge. I could see you definitely... <laughs> doing that. I could see you doing that. Maybe. Gotta have my fan and everything. <laughs> I'm going to be the godfather puppet. <laughs> Looking for the butt button, man. 
<laughs> I could it be the button man. That's right. Hard to kill. Well, Thomas, this has been so lovely. And congrats on your on your um, retirement. And thank you for all your contributions. I mean, the show is iconic and it's beautiful. And it's really, it's so wonderful to to actually, you know, we're having so much fun reconnecting with everyone, walking down memory lane, but then really talking about your con- contribution to a show that really um, had such a cultural impact. And so it's wonderful. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much, both of you. I wish I'd gotten to talk to both of you more when we were all together working on it, but it, you know, time is always <laughs> difficult and actors are always busy. Oh, you are always busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that too. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yes, but we're so happy you joined us today. And loved hearing all about it. And so nice to see your face again. So nice. thank you. And yeah, congratulations on your retirement. You're welcome. <laughs> I look forward to seeing more of these. I think I'm going to sign up and, and watch the podcast. Oh, you, I think um, that's that's one of the Aww, best things see. that's the most rewarding thing is I'll hear from, you know, Norman Buckley or Alan Heinberg or people that actually just mm-hmm. listen and they're like, I never knew this about the show or or just hearing other people's experience because we all had individual experiences. So true. you might yes. you might find it interesting, especially on the long road trip. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing anything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like to watch us, check it out on YouTube. Free Marissa! Bye-bye, bitches! Bye!